Our gospel reading is from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The word of God for the people of God. So Jesus said that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind is the greatest commandment. And here's the problem we face today. Is I know a lot of Christians who love God with all their heart. They, they have a very emotional commitment to God. They, they, go, they love God emotionally. They can barely speak about God without getting emotional. And I know some Christians who love God with all their soul. But the sad fact is, I know much fewer Christians who love God with all of their mind. And I think the reason is because it's easier to love God with all your heart and to love God with all your soul than it is to love God with all of your mind. A lot of us were taught that if you love God, then you believe everything the Bible says without questioning anything and you believe it literally. And if science produces facts that go against your mindset of what the Bible says, then science is wrong. All evidence is ignored. If the Bible says God created the world in 144 hours, then that's what we believe. If the Bible says that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, that's what we believe. If the Bible had said that the whale was swallowed by Jonah, that's what we would believe. <laughs> no questions asked. Because no evidence to the contrary can make us change our minds. Because if we change our minds, we are not good Christians. And we don't really believe the Bible. That's how I learned it. The real problem is not what the Bible says. But it's how we interpret what the Bible says. It's when we get this mindset said that what we think the Bible says is more important than any facts or truth that we are confronted with. And I want to give you an example. Psalm 19. It begins with praise to God for his creation, especially God's creation of the skies and of the heavens. And especially in verses uh, 5 and 6, um, the, this, is, this is from Psalm 19. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens, and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So the psalmist is describing the movement of the sun across the sky. He says it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, or like a champion chariot racer who's running his course across the sky, and we can see it. Uh, it moves from one side of the heavens to the other. 
This is poetry. It's not a textbook about solar science. It's not to be taken literally. It's beautiful. It's true. It is a poetic description of the sun. And if you look at how it's printed in your Bible, it's actually printed in verse, not prose. So that alone should be a clue that that's what it is. In 1543, Copernicus published a scientific work detailing how the sun did not actually revolve around the earth as everybody believed up until that time, but that the earth actually rotated around the sun. And then in 1612, Galileo, aided by the invention of the telescope, expanded that understanding by saying that not only does the earth rotate around the sun, but all the other planets rotate around the sun as well. Both Copernicus and Galileo were condemned by the church. Galileo was threatened that he would either recant or he would be excommunicated. The reason? Psalm 19. The Bible clearly says that the sun travels from one side of the universe to the other. And if the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. All science, facts, evidence to the contrary are just dismissed. And it took Christians a very long time to accept the fact that we all learned in first grade that the earth rotates around the sun. And the reason was because they were, their minds were closed to any facts that went outside of their own interpretation of what the Bible said. Their minds were closed, so they didn't love God with all their mind. Now, the Bible wasn't wrong. I think Psalm 19 is a beautiful and poetic way of describing when we watch the sun move across the sky. It was their understanding of the Bible that was wrong. Their minds were closed. Now, we do the same thing today with the creation stories in the first two chapters of Genesis. Which is more likely? That the first two chapters of Genesis, the first two chapters of the Bible, are a theological narrative explaining who created everything that exists, or it's a scientific man manual on the origin of species and planets. When you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer every time. And the question that Genesis sets out to answer is who created everything that exists? And the answer is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob created everything that exists. The question is who created the universe, not how was it created. And so it isn't interested in explaining in scientific terms how it was created. So that's why if scientists, if it becomes more than a theory and scientists can one day completely prove that our universe, our galaxy started with a big bang, it's not going to bother my faith at all. Because I believe God created everything that exists. And, and I don't know how he did it. And, and that's okay. But if, if, if everything started with a big bang, then you know, God spoke the universe into existence. And so if everything started with a bang, I know who said bang. You know? So, so it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't harm my faith if science says something contradictory to what I've been taught. Because we, 
we understand that the scriptures, you know, sometimes our beliefs become more important than what the Bible really says. I believe the stories in the Bible are true. Some of them are to be taken literally. Some of them are not meant to be taken literally. And if we want to love God with all our mind, then we have to learn how to tell the difference. Bible scholar Dom Cresson wrote, and I quote, My point once again is not that those ancient people told literal stories and we are smart enough to take them symbolically, but that they told them symbolically and now we are dumb enough to take them literally. <laughs> That's a little harsh, but, but it's true. And I agree with John Fusel saying, who tweeted, science has never made me doubt the existence of God, but religious, some religious people have. <laughs> when our minds are not open and they cannot be changed, then we are not loving God with all our mind. Now, let's say that again. If our minds are not open and cannot be changed, then we are not loving God with all our mind. Somewhere along the way, being stubborn and not changing your mind no matter what became a virtue. It's not a virtue. It's a weakness. The truth is, learning how to change our mind and when we need to change our mind is necessary if we are to grow in our faith and grow as human beings. Professor and pastor Brett Younger tells the story of when he went away to college, someone at his church came up to him and said, Brett, in college they're going to teach you some things you've never heard before. Promise me you won't let them change your mind about anything. <laughs> I remember getting a similar speech when I went off to college. Well-meaning people who were afraid that when I went to college, I might stop believing the Bible. Who warned me not to listen to professors and to not believe what they taught me. That when I went to college, I might stop believing the Bible. I never stopped believing the Bible. But I did stop believing some of the things they taught me the Bible said. <laughs> I stopped believing that women are to live subordinate lives to men. I stopped believing that God only calls men to be pastors. And I, I stopped believing that any race is better than another. I changed my mind because I read the Bible and I looked at the facts and I changed my mind. Would you give that same speech to a six-year-old? <laughs> Brett, you're going to first grade. You're going to hear some things you never heard before. Don't let them change your mind about anything. <laughs> Why are we afraid of knowledge? The biggest threat we face today is not knowledge, it's ignorance. And if you don't believe me, just browse through Facebook. <laughs> you know, we used to aspire to intelligence in this country. We didn't belittle it. We gave respect to intelligent people. We admired them. They didn't make us feel inferior. I read a great parable the other day about a man who wandered into a truth shop. The saleswoman was polite. And she said, do you want to, par do you want to purchase partial truth or the whole truth? And he said, well, I want the whole truth. No deceptions for me, no defenses, no rationalizations, just the truth, plain and unadulterated. 
So the woman waved him over to the other side of the store and she said, the price is very high. And he said, what is it? And she said, the price is your security. (laughs) And he walked away with a heavy heart because he needed the safety of his unquestioned beliefs. I think sometimes we fear knowledge because there is safety in our unquestioned beliefs. When someone starts to question them, we get defensive and we get frightened. What if the world isn't the way we always thought it was? What if people and things are not like the way we always thought they were? That is very unsettling for us. And so too often we cling to the safety of our unquestioned beliefs. Every one of us were brought up with a mindset, a narrative about how life works, about how the world works, about how people are. For some people, that mindset never changes. The way we see the world never changes, no matter what facts to the contrary are presented. Sometimes our mindset changes when we're young adults, but then for many it never changes again. I mean, there is security in knowing how everything works and how everybody is. There's security in that. But if we love God with all our mind, then we are open to changing our mind when presented with facts and truths, even the ones we don't want to hear. Now, I know people who have religious narratives in their mind about how people are and who's in and who's out and how the world works, and they will not allow their minds to be challenged. I know people with political narratives in their mind about how people are and how the world works, and they will ignore every fact presented to them to maintain the security of their own beliefs. And we're suffering right now as a denomination and as a a nation because people believe their own political and religious narratives and refuse to change their mind when presented with truth. And there's so many religious and political issues that we really need to deal with, but we don't seem to be able to because too many people come to the mind, to the table with their mind made up and will not change over any truth or fact that's presented. Jesus said, I am the truth. And when we close our minds to the truth, we close our minds to God. This is why Jesus said that to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind is the greatest of all the commandments. It's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. No matter what you and I believe about God right now, no matter what we believe, God is bigger than that. God is greater than that. No matter where we are, And God will keep expanding our understanding of who God is as long as we are open to God expanding our minds. 
If you believe in the same God that you believed in 10 years ago, I want to challenge you that you're not loving God with all your mind. Because God will stretch us. God will not let us stay in the security of our own little narratives and mindsets. It'll be uncomfortable. But God will stretch us and, and we will grow in faith and in understanding. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus said that's the greatest of all the commandments. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, all the rest of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. To love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And to love our neighbor as ourself. Everything Jesus said hangs on those two things. I think there's never been a time when it's been more apparent that our future hangs on our ability, by God's help, to do those two things. Amen.